Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. And Mary, I'm looking for a little transformation of my health. <laughs> I'm the one who gets to ask you this week, how are you feeling, Father John? Oh, God horrible. love you. I think we've had some fun little bug blow through our office, and I hope I'm on the downside of this, but... Uh, Oh, praying yeah, for you. So I know it's no don't fun. Don't adjust and... your dials because this is uh, my voice, like it or not. And uh, You get to be Betty this week. Yeah, I get to be Betty. I'll put my cigarettes down oh, right now. Oh, gosh. God love you. I, I'm very excited for the conversation. We're going to continue a little bit on what we did last week. So what's our title? So our topic for today, Father John, is no need to hide. Oh, no need to hide. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Let's pray. Amen, In the name amen. of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, we just come before you here and now as we are. We are your beloved sons and daughters who so often simply don't know that. And so we beg for the grace to know you more fully and to know who we are in your eyes and then to help others come to know the identity that they also have as having been created in your image and likeness and destined for love and to be divinized and to share in your own divine, abundant life for all eternity, which begins even now. And so, Father, we lift up this conversation. We pray especially for those of us who might be listening who most need to hear your words spoken very personally to them, that you would give them ears to hear your voice uh, through this conversation that Mary and I are going to have. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son. And the Holy Spirit. Hey, before we dive into this topic or continue on with the topic, I should say, we got a little announcement we want to make um, trying to gather prayer requests. you want to tell people about yeah, that? Yeah, so we are um, we are heading to the Holy Land. The real Holy Land. The real Holy Land. Not Pebble Beach. Yeah, the real Holy Land. So we're headed to Israel. We're going to leave... Um, we depart on the 27th of February for, so just in a little over what, a couple weeks. Just after Ash Wednesday. Right. And then, and then we're going to come back March 9th and we, we want to take you all with us. And so we're going to be doing some, um, we're going to be having conversations with you hopefully while we're there. But what we want to ask for right now is we would like to take your intentions with us. Um, and so if you want to send your prayer intentions our way, you can actually send them to me. Uh, and my email address is pretty straightforward. It's mary at x29.org. That's A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org. And if you put in the subject line, Israel, share your prayer intentions. We're going to print them all, take them with us, and then we're going to lay them on every altar where Mass is celebrated and every holy site where we're going to be gathering together as pilgrims in Yeah, prayer. I love that. Thanks for, thanks for saying Maybe just two quick things uh, for those of you who've never had a, the fortune of going on a pilgrimage. So you go on pilgrimage, not only for yourself, but for, but for others, others, right? Amen. So that's why we want to do this. So uh, if you've ever uh, been on a pilgrimage, you know that, or maybe you've had a chance to give intentions to someone you've done that. But if you, if you haven't, and you've got some pressing needs that are going on in your life or in your family right now, we would love to be able to bring those intentions with us. We're going to have mass in the tomb. We're going to have mass on Calvary. We're going to have mass on the Sea of Galilee. I mean, we've got some extraordinary places we're going to be. And so um, we would love to bring all of you with you. 
or with us, I should say. There's the medications kicking in. Oh, I love it. There's the NyQuil. Ooh, baby. Um, and then uh, you also mentioned that we want to take you with us. Uh, just to say something about that, we're, we're hoping just to keep recording a whole series of videos, uh, maybe even every day, just short videos while we're on location there. So we look forward to sharing those with yeah. all of you when maybe we get an, back. Maybe an Israel series. And, yeah. and just, just maybe one more thing as we visit these remarkably holy places, that as we send these, um, as you send your prayer intentions and expect great things, you know, have expectant hearts that prayers are going to be answered. Amen. That's why we pray. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Yeah. So take us away. Well, yeah, let's so start let's, us let's, up where we, where we ended maybe last so week. So we have gotten a fair amount of feedback from the conversation that we had last week talking about uh, these three questions that we bring to prayer. Uh, what's the greatest wound? What's the enemy's strategy? And then what should my strategy be, Lord, based on the wound and the strategy? And we were talking about how we use those questions oftentimes with diocesan leaders and parish leaders. And we were turning it into a, an exercise that we did on retreat uh, as a team a couple of weeks ago to get ready for Lent. So the question became, what's the biggest wound in my life, Lord? What's the enemy's strategy in my life? And then based on that, how should I prepare for Lent? Or what is it you're asking me to do during Lent? And at one point, so we don't script these conversations. We, we, that should be we, pretty we, clear by now. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we have some conversations beforehand and we pray about what we're going to do. And then we, you know, we got some bullet points or whatever. But um, I, I put you on the spot. And, you know, I've got, a, I've got a stop button right here so I can always just hit stop. Let's just can that. Let's record it again. But for better, for worse, my sense was um, even as awkward as it was, I think, and some people said, wow, that was like really awkward and really powerful all at once. I just want to honor you for um, allowing people to just hear what the Lord was doing in you because it, it cracked open an opportunity for people to identify and to hear themselves and what you were saying and, and maybe what I was saying too. And, and that's why we do this. You know, I mean, I, I think what struck nerves with, with some folks and it's why we got some of the comments that we got, we're just not used to being vulnerable anywhere, you know, even with God. But we, we just had a gathering of priests in our office uh, this past week from different parts of the country, great guys. And, you know, when we first got together with them a, maybe a year ago, close to that, we've been gathering uh, maybe quarterly just to, to talk and pray and see what's going on in the church and, you know, prayerfully strategize and whatnot. But the first night we were together, the first time, we asked them, why did you come to us? We had sent out an invitation. Why'd you come? And they all said almost to a man, you know, I don't really know because I don't go to priest things and I don't go to priest things because it's just fake. It's not real. We don't talk about real stuff. We, we, we get into how busy we are and, and, and numbers and, you know, theology and all sorts of things, but we don't talk about like, what's Jesus doing in your life? And so there's a, there's an awkwardness when you actually begin to do that. You know, I was just talking to another guy who does some ministry around the country and different apostolates and he was talking just how, how frustrated he is with one of the places where he's serving right now because they don't pray. They don't, they don't talk about what Jesus is up to in their hearts. And that's, if, if we can't do that, I don't know what we're doing, especially if we're trying to do ministry, right? So that's what, that's what was happening last week. And that's what started all of this. 
So um, I, I will add, you know, to this conversation because it's true. I mean, we don't often feel comfortable depressing into vulnerability, but that's something in a particular way we have done in Acts 29, especially as we have led presbyterate retreats over the last three and a half years. That has been something that priests have told us that they've appreciated. And their comment often is like, oh, we're going to get real today. Right. Or we're going to go there. And, and so to be clear, that, that is one of the pathways that we step into when we're doing ministry, whether it's with bishops or priests or, or lay leaders. If I can just go back to um, our conversation that we had last week. You know, I think for myself, Father John, I was still formulating in my mind what the Lord had done. And I wasn't ready for that direct question. I'm, 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 I'm not usually, <clears throat> as you know, someone who's afraid to bear my heart or my soul. I just wasn't prepared for the question in that moment because I do think vulnerability breeds vulnerability. And so part of it was just maybe the unscripted nature of, of the conversation. And yet, even with its awkwardness, it, it seemed to strike a chord with not just um, men and women, but with the priests who actually came and were with us for these last three or four days, so much so that they rewound, I think, that podcast two or three times to try to figure out, like, what was the Lord actually saying right. to them, you know, through us. Right. And it, so... Yeah, just to reinforce that, I mean, it, this is very normal for us. It's not normal for the church. It's one of the things that I think God uses as something like a sub-curriculum when we're out doing ministry is trying to help people get into the habit of being vulnerable. And because um, wounds w- wounds help people know, oh, you're real. Oh, that's so good. And we, we mentioned last week, it's not about doing therapy from the pulpit or from a microphone, right. but it's just good to know people get it, right? And I think what it does too is it, it, it creates a space where people go, then I can talk to you. That's right. Like all you of a sudden you become, you become eminently relatable. Right. Like, like maybe your life is as messy as mine. Maybe you can become as undone as I have been undone in my life. Therefore, I trust you. Right. And, and, and nothing is more beautiful than that. And I think, all, I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we're dying to sit next to people who just are willing to dive into the messiness of our lives. Yeah, hence the title for uh, this episode, need, No Need to Hide. And, you know, I think the the issue that's uh, on my mind and I think on ours as we were just perfectly talking about this before we hit record, um, we, we keep going back over and over and over again. I know on this podcast, but also in so much of the work that we do, whether it's uh, in teaching or ministry or praying with priests or bishops or lay leaders to the question of identity, and it's really two, two different identities. The first is God's and the second is our own. And most of us, I mean, you know, just kind of embarrassingly, I think, are still grappling with those questions like, who is God and who am I? So we were, it was a riot. We, we had, um, some of you might know the name Father Joe Krupp, K-R-U-P-P. If you don't, get to know this guy. Father Joe's a great friend and brother in the Diocese of Lansing and, and hands down is the funniest person, not funniest priest, Hilarious. funniest person I've ever met in my Hilarious. life. So we were talking mm-hmm. about some of these things last week in a conversation here. I, I'm not going to be able to do him justice, but we were talking about how 
what's going on in the in the minds of you know the average person coming to mass and it was something like well they're sitting there and their view of god goes something like okay he's he's got all these rules and he wants me to do all these things and if i don't do them he's gonna kill me and he loves me and it's like that's so so true you know like i have no idea where these things come from i'm just supposed to do all this stuff if i don't do them he's gonna kill me but But oh by the way he loves me and it just makes no sense to people right and so we have so many of us have this incredibly distorted image of god and and these the readings you know we we started genesis last week and uh it was saturday uh this past weekend where we had um the conversation between Jesus or between God and Adam mm-hmm. after the fall. And even just how we read that passage, either to ourselves or out loud, I think says volumes about our image of God, right? Because the question that God asks is, where are you? And and then, you know, the, Adam says, you know, I was hiding because I heard you. And then he, he follows up, God does, with... So you've eaten then from the tree of which I forbade you to eat. And I think most of us hear those questions in an angry tone, volatile tone. Where are you? You've done what I told you not to do. When in fact, the question is, where are you so that I can help you? And where are you hurting so that I might heal you. This is why, Father John, I think identity and knowing who the Father is is so absolutely critical. I'm thinking about just in our in our time, the way we communicate, you know, so you pick up your cell phone and you have a text from someone hmm. and there's no tone. It's just right. a set of words. And depending upon how well you know that person or how strained that relationship is, we overlay a tone and, a, and an impression on that. And we do that. With the word of God, oh, all to, the time. you know, to your very point. And so it just underscores this need to know that we have this loving, loving, good and gracious and merciful father who does not take a tone That's like right. that with us. That's right. We, you know, we had it speaking of the father, you know, cause, cause the deepest longing of our hearts is to know the father and to know his love for us. And, uh, one of our good friends over in Ireland, uh, they're running the rescue project over there and. He said after, I think it was week two, one of the comments from one of the participants was, uh, God was a stranger to me and I was a mystery to him when he was asked to comment oh on his, his image of God. It's just like, that sums up, I think, so many people's understanding of God. Absolutely. He was a stranger to me. I knew him not. And I was a mystery to him, right? And the discovery now that who, who God the Father is radically changes everything right. for this Because God the Father is love. That's right. So when John says, First John, you know, God is love, of, of course that means the Trinity is love, but in a very particular way, it means the Father is love. You know, there's an order to love within the, within the Trinity. And, and at the top of the order, if you will, is it's the Father. Father. The, Father is, the Father is just that. He's Father. He's, it, it, so the, this mystery of these relationships and this communion that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is something we can't get our heads around. But the Father is is not the bad God who Jesus is trying to placate, which unfortunately I think is how we so often understand Him. And so, and so you know that that 
we can overlay that, that text image that you had, you know, someone sends a text and I, I put a tone in there. We do that oftentimes because our own identity about ourselves is so skewed. And so we imagine, well, this is how someone would probably talk to me. They would talk to me with that tone of voice. That's how God would talk to me. He'd talk to me like that because that's who I am to him. I don't matter. That's right. And so, and so, and, and, and to take that a little bit further, it's like, oh, well, I deserve that. Right. I, I have so internalized how others think about me, see me, you know, their interpretation, their view of me, then, then I must somehow deserve that. Right. And that is to denigrate our identity and it is to continue to be stuck in these places that are not where the Lord wants us to be stuck. Those right. are the very places he wants to rescue us from. Yeah, I think the simple question, you know, maybe to for, for both of these two matters, God's identity and our identity, is how do you see God? How do you hear him? And then how do you see yourself? And I know you got a beautiful prayer exercise we're going to tee up at the end that might help with that. But do, do we really know like that I am his beloved son? Do you really know you're his beloved daughter? And my, my mind does, but I don't. Like I, I, I just continually wrestle with that. I remember I'm thinking of a story, a, a, a priest that I served with 20 some years ago. His name was Father Kevin. And I was sitting out in the gathering room uh, after mass and, just waiting to greet people. And he was processing out and, you know, hi, father. Thanks, father. Thanks, father. They're all saying hi to him. And some woman walked up to him and went, this is, this is literally what she said. She goes, blah, blah, blah. God is love. God is love. Blah, blah, blah. That's all you ever say. And he looked right at her and he says, and it's all I'm going to keep saying until I think you believe it. Excellent answer. I thought, oh my gosh, that is such Excellent a answer. answer. I probably would have strangled the woman, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's probably more information than people would like to know, but oh gosh, what a great spot answer, huh? Yeah, amen, amen. So you got a couple of things that I know struck you recently in, in reading and prayer that you want to share with folks. Yeah, so I, I spent a fair amount of time reflecting and praying after our, after our last podcast and just really looking into like my own, you know, my own wound, which is that oftentimes I just don't see God's goodness in me. I mean, that 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 is the wound. And, and the Lord led me to a couple things, and I'd like to share them, Father John, if I can, because they ministered to me, and having heard from so many of y'all, perhaps it'll minister, you know, these words will minister to you. So this was, um, what I want to share, it's, I think it's a quote from St. Elizabeth the Trinity, hmm. and a message to Mother Germaine, who was the prioress of Carmel and Dijon. Oh, home of the mustard. Home of the, yes. Right? I love Dijon. <laughs> Better You're than hilarious. Grey Poupon. You're hilarious. But I th this is just really something to pray with. This came across my path from a number of men and women. And so I just want you just to... After the podcast? After the podcast. Oh, wow. After the podcast. Yeah. And, and, and here's what, here's what St. Elizabeth wrote. She said, let yourself be vulnerable. Let your walls down, your carefully constructed fortresses breached, your fiercely guarded heart laid bare. Let your wounds be touched, your fears revealed, your deepest desires, damaged dreams, and most daring hopes unveiled before the bridegroom who has the power to redeem, restore, and resurrect them. Drop your independence and the idea which you clutch so tightly that you can do anything to protect and save yourself 
And the last line says this, and this is the, this is the money line, and let him love you. Mm. And you know, I, I think sometimes what we, what we do, or at least what I do in my life, is that I, I think that sometimes we can just become hy- hyper-focused, right, on our, our wretchedness, you know, um, our, our, our wounds, our, our past, our struggles, the things that we didn't know, our sins. We can become so hyper-focused on those that we don't leverage those for his mercy, and we don't present those to him to let him do to let God the Father do what only he can do. And we know this, right? It, it, it's, it's our misery that attracts his mercy. And as Dr. Tim Keller, who I, I know that you and I are both fond of, and, and uh, we quote often when we're ministering uh, to, um, to those that we're on retreat with, he says, it's our helplessness, not our holiness, that attracts God. And so sometimes we can get stuck but God wants to, to surrender all of these things to us. So here we have a great saint from years and years and years ago who says to us today, let yourself be vulnerable. Yeah, you know, even as you're sharing that beautiful reflection, I'm thinking of Mother Teresa, two things. One is her prayer, I thirst, or at least the prayer that's almost always attributed to her that the Lord revealed to her, which... I don't have in front of me. It's lengthy. It's worth digging up if you're not familiar with it and just uh, praying with Jesus's words saying to us over and over again, I thirst for you. I thirst for you. I thirst for you, which of course are the words that mother painted in every one of her chapels for all the missionaries of charity around the world. But then I'm thinking especially of, because the exhortation right now is for you and me to understand we don't have to hide in front of God. Like we're not, we're not saying to everybody, Hey, go get vulnerable in front of your friends today. Like, you know, maybe with somebody, but the, the, this is really in prayer first and foremost, just to get, because if I can't be vulnerable with God, I'm certainly not gonna be vulnerable with anybody else, but the Lord wants us to get vulnerable. The Lord, the Lord's vulnerable. Like to be vulnerable is to be able to be wounded. Like God became man so that he could get wounded. That's an extraordinary thing, right? God had no walls around him. I mean, he lets his heart be ripped open quite literally. But I'm thinking of the letter that mother wrote, and I'm, I'm forgetting the source of it right now, so I, I just have fragments in my mind. But at one point, she's writing this to the sisters. So th- these, are the, these are the women who've left, left everything. They live in abject poverty. They sleep on the floor. They have nothing. And they're doing this extraordinary work around the world that most of us look at and go, oh my gosh, how could you, how do, can that? you do that? And she says to them at one point, I fear that most of you have never really met Jesus one-on-one, face-to-face, heart-to-heart. And she's writing that to people. Consecrated religious. Right. So, I mean, it's probably true for most of Mm -hmm. us, right? Or maybe we haven't met him for a long time. And again, we're getting close to the season of Lent. And this is an opportunity for us to to understand we don't have to hide from him. And he, he doesn't get repulsed by our sinfulness. And that, that great line that you just shared, our misery attracts his mercy. It doesn't repel him. And, and I think deep down, we just find that too good to be true, quite frankly. So you got this great prayer exercise. Maybe we can, let's close with this. Yeah, you know, um, Father John, I was sitting in our beautiful St. Joan of Arc Chapel, just praying about, you know, what our conversation was going to be. And and so I just had this image in my mind. And so I just want to share what it is I feel like the Lord shared with me. 
So I, I think what I'd like to do is just, is just to encourage us, like, like imagine yourself, you know, eyes closed before the Lord in prayer and just imagine standing in front of a mirror and you're not looking at your own reflection, but rather you see the face of the Father or the face of Jesus looking back at you. And just ask for the grace in that moment to see yourself as he sees you. And just to be really still, to quiet our interiority and just let him talk to you. And you're doing all the listening. So just to see him looking at you and he's just telling you who you are and what he sees. And he's just unpacking before you how his heart sees you. And just let him talk. And as he talks, you know, write it down in your journal. You know, we've been talking over the last number of podcasts, like how does God speak? Well, I would argue that this is a a way perhaps that he wants to speak to us in a very particular way, and he will speak. And then perhaps after that conversation has come to a close and you've captured all all of those beautiful things that the Father wants to tell you about yourself, ask him to tell you by what name he calls you. Because I think it's grand and beautiful and it's true that indeed we are beloved sons and beloved daughters of the king. But I also like to think that the father has a very particular name that's just for you and just for me. And I've done this prayer exercise and I know his name for me. And I have never forgotten that. And so that is the way I approach him when I pray. And again, so, you know, just something to think about in your own prayer, just to allow the Lord space and time to look at you and tell you who you are, mm-hmm. who he is and who he, and who you are. I love that. You know, what's coming to mind as you're sharing that is just that, um, that scene at the end of episode one of season one of The Chosen when, mm. when we see Jesus call Mary. Yes. Mary. Yes. And then he quotes that passage, which she had become oh so familiar with as a child. And obviously only God could know that. And so the, the Lord has a particular way of speaking to us, right? And uh, sometimes I'm afraid his, he's, he, the name he calls me is stupid or idiot. I mean, I know that's not true, right? But I, but I say that out loud because that's what the enemy puts into a lot of our minds. That's the name he calls me. Yes. Idiot. Fool. You know. And we know better than all of that, right? right. You know, we you, know it you, in our heads, but yeah. we need to know it in our hearts. You know, you had said that earlier, Father John, you know, it's one thing. And, and so we, you know, even just going back to last week's podcast, like we know all this here, but it seems like the penny drop from the head to the heart is much more than 18 inches. It might as well be a thousand yards. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit wants to narrow that gap. And, you know, Thank God that we have access, right? Amen. We have access to the throne. We are his adopted children, and he's dying to tell us how much he loves us. Amen. The letter to the Hebrews, which we just finished up a couple of weeks ago at Daily Mass, reminds us that we have access to God. And, and the word that's used there, the Greek doesn't mean so much, uh, well, it, it means more clearly right, 
You have a right to enter into God's presence, which is just unheard of because in the Old Testament, nobody had the right to do right. that. It was only one priest once a year with a rope tied a around, rope his, around waist, his waist. Right? <laughs> like right. nobody had a right to, to, to approach God. In fact, you were told, don't approach God. And now because of all that Jesus has done for us, you and I have a right to approach God through his son, Jesus, who on his cross and in his passion and his death and his resurrection shows us, regardless of whether we believe it or not yet, just how much we mean and matter to God. So brothers and sisters, all that we're talking about is true. You are beloved far more than you could ever imagine. You are priceless and precious in God's eyes. You are worth dying for. And because that's true, do not be afraid. That God is with you and you were born for this. 